Before we get to the podcast this week, if you buy a car, a truck, or a van, new or used, from Bomb Chevy Buick in Clinton, Illinois, you get a free lifetime, that's forever, literally forever, a free lifetime subscription to Dirt on Dirt and Flow Racing. Check out BombChevyBuick.com today, that's B-A-U-M, ChevyBuick.com today, they're based just south of my house here in central Illinois in Clinton, not too far from Farmer City Raceway. And they also happen to be just awesome, amazing, and I really mean this, some of the best human beings you will ever deal with. So if you need a car or truck, new or used, buy it from Balm, and you get the added benefit, it's a pretty big added benefit, of a lifetime subscription to Flow and Dirt on Dirt, and that is as good as it gets when it comes to deals and racing. All right, here we go. And most importantly, welcome to DirtOnDirt.com. This is your Rigsby Report podcast for Wednesday, March 16th, and it feels good to be back in the studio. The longest Speed Weeks road trip of my entire life is in the books. Finished that a couple weeks ago. We needed a little a little time post-Georgia and Florida. Really, actually, we needed time post-New Mexico, Georgia, and Florida, where most of our staff, I think, was on the road 40 out of 50 days, which is... Crazy to think, as long as we've been doing this, I think that's the longest road stretch we've ever had. A very, very long road trip where I I think we brought some of the best content we've ever created. I mean, Dirt on Dirt was rocking and rolling, as it always does for Speed Weeks. We had more content pieces by double digits, I think, than we'd ever done before. Over on Flow Racing, the live programming was ridiculous with USAC and Short Track Super Series and All-Star Sprints from East Bay and all the Speed Week stuff you get. And, of course, our NASCAR partnership started uh, with New Smyrna. I actually went to New Smyrna for a night in the World Series of Asphalt. That was a ton of fun. The content that Tim and Derek and Brandon and everybody did in content, Tyler, was just absolutely nuts. And, of course, Devin Moran, that crew diary, which was beautiful again this year. A big thank you to Tim Truex. Uh, and Tyler Rinkin for putting the crew diary together. I'm just, I'm really proud of where we are at right now after really, you know, I said New Mexico, but you go all the way back, Gateway, Chili Bowl, Speed Weeks, Wild West Shootout, all of that stuff in there. I'm happy with where we're at right now. Can we get better? Always. I'm always striving for that. But as a company, I feel like we left it all on the field for the last couple of months, and that makes me really proud. Also, I have to give, <laughs> give an internal shout-out to the Drive Home again, our our, we, our nightly Facebook segment on DOD's Facebook page. Uh, just has become developed a cult following. I get more compliments on the Drive Home, this thing where I just take my cell phone and flip it around, than I do any incredible content piece than we've done. So, uh, Benji and Derek and and everybody, Tim and Tyler and everybody that took part in the drive home, thank you again this year very much. Uh, we've had a few weeks, like I said, since Speed Weeks concluded. Uh, we had the double rain out last week with the Outlaws and Lucas both getting wiped out. Not all that rare. That happens all the time. I think I saw the statistic that Brownstown and Atomic, which are this coming weekend, have only run on their scheduled weekend w- uh, once since 2015. So it says a lot about how these rainouts work in March. Uh, Brandon Overton got a couple of nice weekend wins with Ultimate and Spring Nationals last weekend. Shane Clanton got one at Sonoya as well. I'm told it's pronounced Sonoy, but I refuse to do it. It's Sonoya. I think I have to keep saying it now. I can't bring myself to say Sonoy. Someone email me or tweet me if uh, tweet at me if I have that wrong. But I'm pretty sure it's Sonoy is how the locals pronounce it. I'm going to go with Sonoya. Either way, Shane Clanton, congratulations on that win last weekend. 
Before I get to our guest today, Chris Madden, who I've really wanted to deep dive with for a while, and it is just an awesome hour that I spend with him. Seriously, I think people are going to listen to this Madden interview and go, oh shit, I really like Chris even more than I did or I thought I did before. And I don't think it's that people don't like him, but I think there are a lot of misconceptions out there about him, and we talk about that. Uh, it's just Madden unfiltered for over an hour, and I think one of, I think at least, I'm one of the people that he has a really good relationship with in this sport, and I asked him about that too. Uh, we covered Scott Bloomquist, we covered Dwayne Hummel, we covered his finish at Earl Pearson Jr. with him and Dwayne Hummel at Cherokee back in the day that's famous, his place in dirt late model history, uh, and so much more. I, I will put this as one of the top 10 best Rigsby reports that I think we've ever done. Uh, first things first, I wanted to hit some of my high points from Speed Weeks. This is the first time I've talked to you guys since Speed Weeks. We had the Outlaw and Lucas rainouts last week, so I thought I'll, I'll still, the Speed Week stuff to me is still kind of fresh. I can talk about it. Um, my official top five drivers in America post Speed Weeks. Devin Moran, one. Brandon Overton, two. Brandon Shepard, three. Tim McCready, four. Ashton Winger, I have at number five. Now, some people are going to say, hey, Overton went and won those races last week. He should be slid ahead of Moran. I just think what Devin Moran did at Speed Weeks was so incredible. I'm leaving him at number one right now, and I think he's going to have the best year of his career. So I've got Devin, Overton, Shepard, McCready, and Ashton Winger. You know, I think in our top 25 right now, Ashton Winger is eighth or ninth. But I got him ahead of JD, who's not really raced. Um, I got him ahead of Dale McDowell just because I think he's raced more. Dale's sample size is so small. I'm going to put Ashton Winger number five. I think you can make the case for Dennis Herb Jr. or Dale McDowell there, but I got Winger number five. Uh, top five breakout guys. I always talk about the folks who, when you leave Speed Weeks every year, there's a segment of America who says, oh shit, I didn't really know who that guy was. Now I do, and it's likely because I watched him race so many nights in a row. My top five, I think I've got in order breakout guys. Dalton Wilson, the Fayetteville, North Carolina guy. He started 15 Speed Weeks races. He was really good down there when he was in the races. Garrett Smith made eight Speed Weeks races, qualified well, heat race well. Garrett had some moments. Of course, he got DQ'd that one night. He was also fast that night. I think Garrett Smith turned a lot of heads. I have Kyle Hammer, three. Maybe not as many consistently big performances as some of these other guys, but he damn near won that race at Volusia, which is not easy to do. Uh, is he the next great young Illinois talent to come out of Illinois? Colton Burdett, fourth. He, he only started five Speed Weeks races, but there was a lot of times during Speed Weeks, and not that people don't know who Colton Burdett is, but I think a, a cross-section of the country probably doesn't. And Colton, I think, turned enough heads to get on this list. Uh, you know... Number five, I could have gone Ross Robinson or Cody Overton. Ross probably deserves to be on this list, but Cody backed up post-speed weeks with an extreme win. So I'm going to put Cody on there, sort of proving that there are other Overtons that are good, only uh, not just Brandon, there are others. So Ross Robinson is probably my auxiliary guy that didn't make that list, but Dalton, Garrett, Kyle, Colton, Cody Overton, and I'll throw Ross Robinson in there, of course, as well. And, of course, Ross's wife, Amanda, who Derek Kessinger was hitting on, uh, during all the speed weeks. Dare, I can't apologize again uh, enough, Ross. However, Amanda did wink at him when we left one night, boss. So keep, so keep that in mind. Uh, some other quick things. Man, 23 races scheduled for speed weeks. 31 days on the road if you did it all the way from Volusia 1.0 through 2.0. 24 if you did not, which is what I did. That doesn't even count Screvin, by the way. So I was on the road for 24 straight days. And I'm telling you, I have never seen so many long faces in the Volusia pit area on that last weekend as I did this year. Shuffling, heads down, and you know, I'm older now. I just turned 40 in January, but even for me, I got into a little bit of a fog that last two or three days where I truly was like, what What day is it? <laughs> where are we? 
Now, I'm sure this is where all of you are going to say, Rigsby, quit bitching. You get paid to go cover races. And that's true. But I talked to the drivers. I talked to the crews. I talked to everyone. And to a man and to a woman, they all said, yeah, okay, this is this is too long. Now, keep in mind, Lucas Oil threw that extra week in there this year, so it sort of inflated it and made it a little puffier even. But I think everybody agreed, 20-plus days on the road, even if you don't do Volusia 1.0, was just too much, right? So I, I think you know what's going to happen, though, next year, right? Having said all that, nothing. Nothing different at all. I've basically confirmed with the major players that they're all back on the schedule. They all want the same amount of dates, and 2023 is going to look almost identical to 2022. And I, I know, I, I guess I'm fine with it, right? Car counts were huge. By and large, crowds, especially when we got to East Bay and Volusia, were huge. And I just don't think you can put the genie back in the bottle. We have officially reached the point of there is no going backwards now on this Speed Weeks the way it is. Dates are at a premium. There are absolute vultures out there right now who have no regard for anybody else when it comes to scheduling. So we can't go back. Lucas Oil can't go back. The Outlaws can't go back. There is no longer a 10-month season. It is 12, and there is no longer a 15-race or 13-race speed weeks. It will always be 20-plus. But I will say this. The industry has never been more popular. The industry has never been more wanted and I think a huge part of that is showcasing our sport during late model racing in January and February when nothing else is going on for a month straight. I think owning the motorsports calendar, and make no mistake, I do believe dirt late model racing more than sprint cars or anything owns the calendar for three and a half weeks. I think that as a whole is a net positive. I think it's a good thing despite how long it is. So long faces be damned, tired faces be damned, exhaustion be damned. This thing is here to stay, and I, I, I probably am okay with it. We know now what it is, so let's just let it rip. And most importantly, let's respect the institutions that are the two major sanctioning bodies in Lucas and the Outlaws. And, you know, for those vultures out there, let's please try not to squeeze them in these events. Uh, real quick, a couple other things. Some other nuggets I found interesting. When are we going to—I shouldn't say when. Well, when is a part of this, but what are we going to do? about East Bay. The win is there are 12 races left. We have 12 races left at Speed Weeks at East Bay. And right now, as far as I can tell, there is no replacement. It's never been more popular as a racetrack than it is right now, and we're going to lose it. I don't know, man. There's just there's no substitute right now that has emerged as a place that can replace it for six nights. So what do we do? We have 12 races left at East Bay to figure this out, and it just feels like it will be a void too big to fill with anywhere else for six nights. Of course, Volusia has their own six nights, so I'm not counting that, right? A couple other really quick thoughts. Golden Isles, I think Kyle Bronson and crew, it raced better than it ever did. Ocala, despite some foibles that it has, always has a way of producing dramatics. Let's give Bubba and crew credit. It produces last lap ridiculously good finishes all the time, right? It's got a few quirks with how long it takes to get ready in the wheel packing, but screw it. The finishes are always good. All tech when it's right. And by the way, when it's right, it's slick like a bowling alley. It looks like a bowling alley is what I say. Alltech's good, man. When it's right, it's good. And Volusia, to me, it's become the ultimate speed weeks happening. East Bay will forever likely be the most popular track, but Volusia, to me, is now the happening of speed weeks. It's the place that just looks impressive, the midway, everything that goes with it. Uh, I think Volusia has taken over that mantle. All right, let's get to it. Chris Madden. We started Dirt on Dirt back in 2007, 15 years ago, and I have no idea why I remember this, but I do. I was in the pits at the World 100 that weekend that we launched, and I was getting ready to do an interview with Chris Madden. 
someone pulled me aside and said, hey, be a little careful with Madden. He isn't always the nicest guy in interviews. Someone said that to me. So I took that advice and I approached Chris and I was cautious because someone had told me this. And what followed after that was one of the best interviews of the earliest days of Dirt on Dirt. And what I think was the beginning of a pretty damn solid friendship and a guy who I think at that point I realized, I don't think people get this guy. Chris Madden has been courteous to me. He has been gracious to me. And over the course of a decade and a half now, I think I've built a pretty good rapport with the Gray Court South Carolina driver who joins me now on the Integra Shocks and Springs Hotline for this edition of the Rigsby Report. Chris, the first question I have, it's maybe a little odd, but on the heels of the way I introduced you there, do you think I'm right about that? Do you think you're a little bit of a misunderstood guy that people don't necessarily get? And if the answer to that is yes, why is that, you think, bud? Well, why do you think you maybe have that reputation that I don't think is fair? Well, I think a lot of those guys um, misinterpret who I am. I mean, they really don't know me. Uh, I guess, one, because I don't, I don't get out in the pits and, and – uh, you know, talk to a lot of people and I don't, uh, I don't ramble at night, you know, I'm, <laughs> I'm there for one thing, you know, I got a family at home. So, uh, obviously, you know, I, I need to be supportive of, of them that is supportive of me. So my job is to, is to be there to make money and support my family. It's a per- and, uh, yeah. all- Go ahead. Yep. And, uh, but I think a lot of those guys really don't know me. You know, they always come up at the heat of the moment or at the uh, bad timing of, you know, we've had a 10-minute whistle or something, and they want to come up and talk, and, and you're in a hurry and you're scrambling, and, and uh, you, you just don't have time at, at that moment. And, and it's not that, you know, you're ugly to them or, or disrespectful to them. It's just sometimes is not the right time. Yeah. And, and I, I think you hit on something that – People always forget in general with athletes or race car drivers, you are literally at work. And, you know, like say a guy has an office job. Imagine, Chris, you walking into that office and just sitting down and pulling up a chair and talking to that guy at 3.30 well, in the that's afternoon. Exactly, that's exactly how I explain it to them whenever they come back. I'm like, look, you know, I've heard them say something. And then when I see them again, I was like, look, you know, I'm, I'm not that person, but I can't come into your job tomorrow when you're at work and sit down and then you have a conversation while you're supposed to be operating a machine. Right. I said, it just, it don't work that way. But, uh, no, I mean, I try to, I've, I've always tried to be, um, good to everybody, uh, good to the fans and, and, um, you know, I've always been, uh, I think helpful to my, to my competitors and, and I've just, uh, you know, is always trying to be, be a good guy, but, uh, you know, sometimes I've failed at it and, and I'll be the first to admit to that, but I'm human too. So, um, that's just, uh, the way it works. And, and, uh, hopefully I've been good enough to the right ones that, that people really know me. And, and, uh, I have a real close friend that, uh, told me one time, he says, uh, if you can count, um, five good people, and uh, the ones that you know will be there at any time, you've definitely done something right in your life, and, and I think I can do that. So, 
I feel like I've done some things right. That's a good, I'm going to use that actually. I like that a lot. You're, you're right about it. You've made five deep friendships. You can't be all that bad, right? <laughs> That'd be pretty good. That's right. You know, your wife, Stephanie, told me, I talked to her before this interview. She said, Chris is literally the most focused person I have ever seen in my life, she said. And I got to thinking about it. It does make sense, right, with kind of your persona in the pits and everything, how locked in you are at the racetrack. Where does that focus come from, Chris? Have you always had that since you were a kid, or how do you think you developed that? Uh, I mean, I I think, uh, you know, when, when I was growing up, uh, you know, I was, I wasn't that, that perfect child. I wasn't that, um, you know, I had the ability to do everything child. So I had to work at everything that I did, you know, when I played sports and played ball and played football, I wasn't the, the kid that had the God gifted talent, you know, I had to work for it. And, and I wanted to do that. I wanted to be on that field and I wanted to play and I wanted to race. And so to, to get to where I'm at, you know, I had to, I had to work really hard and, and, um, you know, I think, I think from my early age, being that focused to, to outwork a guy or to, to, um, outcompete a guy to get that position, you know, I, I think that's, that's where I learned it up and just being around my family, uh, I've always been super competitive. My mom, <clears throat> my stepdad and, and my sisters, they, uh, all played sports and, and they were always competitive and, and nothing but winning was acceptable. And, and uh, so I've learned it, you know, that way. When I was putting this interview together, we were talking, our Dirt on Dirt staff, about your historical place in dirt late model racing. And I, I threw out there, I said, I tell you what, I think I think Chris Madden could be a top 25 all-time guy. Right? It's a lot of, there's, you know, thousands of guys that have done this. I said, I think he could be top 25. And some of the guys were like, man, I don't know. I, I have to really look at that. You know, and I, I'm not saying we need to rank all 25 right now, but it, I don't know, Chris. Am I right about that? When you look back at your career, it's closer to the end of your career than it is the beginning. Am I nuts? Is Chris Madden a top 25 dirt late model racer of all time? Why don't I just go right to the source and ask you, what do you think? Well, I definitely think so, you know. Uh, at, at my time, when I come into the sport and, and still to today, you know, when when I started into this sport, there wasn't, you know, uh, five or ten really good guys when I started. Heck, they were they were all good when you showed up to the racetrack. Yeah. You had every one of them was good. Uh, you know, back earlier before me, you know, you could spread them out, and guys were, you know, one or two here, one or two there, but not anymore. You know, everywhere you go, um, there's a lot of talent out there. And, and uh, when I come into the sport and until to this day, it's been tough from day one until today. So, I mean, to do what I've done and do it how I've done it, the way I see it, you know, I, I consider my I, myself and, and my team and everybody that's always supported me and been behind me. Uh, I think we should be in that for sure. I, I agree. I mean, you look at the races, people forget when you look at your resume and we're going to touch on that here a little bit in a second. It's, it's wild. The amount of races you've won and you've been around a while. I'm not trying to say you're old, but you've been doing it for a while, right? <laughs> at a sustained high level. I just, I don't know. I feel like you don't always get the credit. Maybe you deserve. Do you, I'm not trying to put you on the spot with that, but am I right about that too, Chris? I don't, I don't think people stick you into that class that you deserve to be stuck in. Do you think I'm right? Assuming that. Uh, 
No, I don't. I don't think. Uh, I don't think I do at times. You know, uh, it's uh, it's a little disheartening sometimes, but it's okay. I uh, I know what what I've done, and I know what I'm capable of doing. But uh, like I said before, you know, it's 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 tough out here now, and uh, you know where where I come from and grew up at here. I mean, there was the best of the best come from right here in, in this part of the country. Yeah. So, uh, it's, uh, it's not been easy. And then, you know, you've had, uh, JD and, and Overton and all those guys have come, you know, up from here too. And, and yeah, I mean, they're, them guys are tough. I mean, they're, they're really good and they've put themselves in good positions and good people. And, and, uh, you know, you, you don't go over here on Saturday night and just win. If you go over here and win, and, and 99% of the time those guys are there, I mean, and you, and you beat those guys, I mean, it's uh, you should be recognized. When I started going back and looking at your career, I was looking at your website and the history and the statistics and everything, and I'm a big stats nerd. One thing that jumped out to me, your first win, what I would call kind of your first big notable win – what do you, I just want to ask you first? Do you remember what it was? And I'm kind of going off your website and what Ryan Delph and those guys have on there. It was 2003, and it was a track in the southeast. Do you remember what kind of I would consider your first big win was? Oh shit! <laughs> you give me a l- little bit more leadway, and I make it fill it in. There. You know, if you if you look on your <laughs> website, 2003, it was a stars race at Thunder Valley. In North Carolina, which is, you know, it's funny because Stars is a Northeastern series. You're a Southeastern guy. Do you remember that Stars victory at Thunder Valley in North Carolina 20 years ago? Yeah, I mean, I, heck, I want to re- recall which race that was. Was that a, was that a, a Grassy Smith race? I, I don't know if it was a Grassy Smith race or not, um, but it was, you know, it's 19 years ago now. Uh, it was a yeah. I think it might have been you know because he he used to have that race yeah, up right. there. Yeah, Thunder Valley too. That place could get interesting. But I do. I I remember that race well because I remember. I don't know if anybody remembers the old Tech Man, but I remember Walt. Oh yeah, you know? yeah. He was. Uh, he gave me a hard time that day, but uh, <laughs> we managed to we managed to be good buddies from that day forward. What were you doing? Uh, were you cheating something up? Tell me what were you doing? Was it the spoiler? Well, I mean. It's, <laughs> He was, he was, I called him the two, two by four man. Uh, I don't think there's a car in the pit area now that'll get by with it, but he would come up to the right rear and take a two by four and stick in there and go around the tire. And he says, uh, <laughs> if, if you don't cut that fender well out, you, you can't race with me today. And I was like, what? He's like, yeah, I want three inches of clearance around this tire. I was like, I've never heard that before. He's like, well, if you're going to race here today, you're going to cut it. And I said, no problem. But, uh, I'll never forget that, and uh, he was tough, but uh, yeah, but uh, he was a good guy, and he good at what he did. And you went on to win the race that day, which is cool. Thunder Valley, yeah, man, it could, Thunder yeah. Valley could have some moments. I, I always remember there was a maybe it was Lawndale. I can't remember where I'm thinking of one of those tracks where they'd always overwater that's, down there, right? That's Thunder Valley. That's Thunder Valley. It was Lawndale. That's yeah. the same place. Yeah, I thought so. Yeah. You know, you mentioned being a southeastern guy when you were growing up, Chris. Did you pay attention? to Northern and Midwestern racing. How plugged into that stuff were you, or were you just kind of paying attention to what was going on in your region? Uh, no, I guess, uh, I was just plugged into what was going on here, you know? Um, you know, I, I thought it was a big, um, 
when I first started, you know, I thought I was really going somewhere big when, and, and it was at that time and still is. Uh, but I had a big highlight of getting to go to Talladega, yeah. you know, uh, back in the day, Talladega was a, was a pretty, pretty, you know, prestigious thing. You know, all the Winston cup guys would come over and watch us race and, uh, I finally got to start doing that, and I thought, man, this is really cool. <laughs> but you know, were you a racing paper guy? Were you checking the racing papers to see who was winning the show me or anything like that, you know, late 90s, early 2000s? You know, I used, yeah, I did, because um, uh, my grandfather and them used to get, I don't know if you guys remember, they called the Racing News. Oh, yeah, yeah. Yeah. So I actually still got some, I got some of that old stuff here in my shop here from back in my grandfather days and uh, I thought it was pretty cool to look in there and see uh, to see uh, Scott and Billy and Freddie and those guys in there and um, see the amount of money that they won. But uh, you know, I look in there. You don't get papers no more. You have to go online. But <laughs> you look, and, and we're still racing for the same damn money that they won years ago. Uh, <laughs> we're going to talk about that, too. Some people have stepped up to the plate. Yeah. Some people have stepped up to the plate, but, uh, you know, it's not – our purses are not where they should be, that's for sure. Yeah. You know, you hit on something. We're going to talk more about purses later. You talked about the Southeastern guys, J.D., Brandon, Jimmy Owens, yourself – I mean, listen, a pretty obvious case can be made right now, and this all due respect to Brandon Shepard and Devin Moran, that the the gun to my head, best drivers in the country are in the Southeast right now. JD, you, Jimmy, you know, Overton. Why is that? Why do you think you guys are the best, Chris? Well, I mean, like I said, when I come up, I had to race against Scott and um, Freddie and, and Buck Simmons and, I mean, Jack Pennington. Uh, those are the people I had to race against and they were, they were at the top of the list then. And, and, um, I think when JD and, and Brandon and those guys started up, you know, they had to race against the same heat that I did. And, and it just, it, it just made us better in, in our area, you know, too. Um, you know, the heat's pretty, pretty tough down here on racetrack. So, you know, race conditions are a lot different here than, than up North too. So, I think if you can um, if you can accomplish uh, being really competitive in this part of the country and the conditions that we race in, that you can pretty much compete anywhere in the country. You know, you mentioned that it's a it's a good segue to you're hitting all my segues. By the way, you need I need to put you on the payroll as an interviewer. You uh, you talked <laughs> about you talked about I I think hey people are going to say the southeastern drivers are better. But I think, by and large, people are going to say the Midwestern racing is better. Do you agree with that? Is the racing better up around where I live than is where you live? Uh, I mean, we have our moments, but it's really people don't give, um, you know, some of our guys enough for credit down here, track, you know, prep guys. Uh, we have our moments where we have really extremely good races down here. And then, you know, it's it, it'll go a while we conditions are not good but to answer the question uh, yes i think definitely racing is better up there for sure um you guys racetracks uh you know they seem to to be really gripped up and you know and, and they clean off and, and polish up and and you can race all over the place but um you know here it's hard it's hard to do and it's uh you know 100 degrees outside and no moisture and 
and we don't have the soil that you guys have. So it's definitely harder down here to have a great race, but uh, I think Sonoya has, has done a great job in the past, you know, five, six years uh, with finding some dirt uh, that they have found that makes the racing great on their racetrack. But, you know, I, I don't know where they get that stuff. And it's just even possible to get, you know, in other parts of the South down here. But uh, they definitely found something that, that helped it and made it easier for those guys to have great racing. But for sure, I mean, I love coming up you guys' uh, way and, and racing. And, cause, uh, you know, it's fun for one. And then for two, you know, qualifying is, is – um, it don't determine – your whole night, right. you know, uh, if you start mid pack, you can still win a race there, uh, in the South. If you start mid pack, it's tough to, to do it. I mean, it really is. So, um, I, I, yeah, I enjoy racing up there. I love it. Um, I'm not a big cushion guy. Uh, <laughs> just don't, don't have a tremendous amount of experience with it. You know, uh, back in all through my years, uh, just wasn't something that we did. And, but I have learned, you know, and um, I think uh, um, I think you can win more money off the cushion you do on the cushion. Yeah, I put it that way. That's fair, and I, that's yet another thing I want to talk to you about before this interview's over. You know, one thing I've never asked you though, Chris, is your racing background, how you got started, right? I mean, it's one of those things I've talked to you a million times. I've never asked you that. I've talked to your wife and your mom both this week, but I'd like to hear it from you. How did you get started in racing? Uh, just, well, for one, my, my granddad was a racer. Uh, he owned race cars and, and just, um, growing up around him and, uh, shoot, man, I, I loved it. Uh, stayed at that shop. I'd have to, they'd have to beat me to go home and, and, you know, make me, uh, get ready for school. And, and I used to take my granddad's old parts and things and I'd stand body panels up and put tires in the friendly wells and, they had old fiberglass seats back then, and I'd find the old seat and stand up with wood blocks and get in that thing. And man, I thought I was racing. I built my own <laughs> race car. Uh, just uh, being around it like that, and then uh, you know, I started go kart racing, uh, and it went from there. Yeah. So it's in uh, your in your family, not, right? Families, just like most of us, right? Somebody in the family did it, and that's how we got started. Yeah, that's right. Actually, uh, my granddad, you know, kind of he built and and uh, owned that Lawrence Speedway down there, yeah. and uh, that's kind of how it started. But that's my mom's dad. But what? I remember, uh, you know, years ago, back when my granddad had cars, and <clears throat> I mean, he really had some nice stuff back in the day. He had a uh, Baker racing engines down here when nobody had built engines, you know, they, they built their own engine. And when my granddad, I went out, bought uh, Baker racing engines and we used to have to hide them from my grandmother. So we'd keep <laughs> the engines out of our house. And, uh, I thought that was always a pretty cool deal. Hey, quick question about that cushion comment. Cause I want to get into your 2019 season, but before I do, I have a theory that I might be wrong about. I always get the sense that whether it's you or Scott or probably not JD, because JD used to be a cushion banger, 
that you guys, I don't think resent is the right word, but when you look at a Bobby Pierce or a Tyler Herb, there's like this, what is the word I'm looking for, Chris? Like, man, any, you know, those guys just go throw it on the cushion and they win races that way. Am I right about that? You guys kind of feel it's a little more skillful to do it the way you do it. That is a theory I have that you guys don't resent those guys, but you <laughs> help me, help me here. I'm drowning a little bit. <laughs> am, I, am I right about yeah, this? I think, a little uh, bit? I think, uh, you know, I think it's more skillful for sure. And, and, um, uh, you know, it's, it's a lot more treacherous to do what they do. And, and I've always been one, I, I need to leave there with a paycheck. And those guys might leave there with a stern wheel and that's it. And more times than, than not, they, they usually do end up in the fence or, or tore up or, you know, you, you see them in the pits. Uh, you know, it's usually, usually a caution coming from them guys, but, uh, um, yeah, for sure. It's definitely, uh, more skill and, um, just like I said, goes back to our style of racing around here. Um, you know, it just, uh, fits, fits more of what we do two feet drive with the steering wheel instead of with the gas pedal and the gas pedal only. So, yeah. um, I definitely think it's, it's, uh, it's more credible to credit a guy that's outrun somebody that's just you know, holding it wide open on the cushion. I want to talk about 2019. You have what I think is the greatest run of your career, right? That late summer hot streak. You win the USA Nationals. You win the North-South. You win the Topless. You're also winning all the preliminaries at these events, too. It was as white hot as, you know, as white hot gets. I have a lot of things I want to ask you about during this stretch. Um, first, I guess I want to say that is the best run of your career. Is that Would you say that's fair? That little run you were on right there was as hot as you've ever been in your career. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, no, no doubt. It was, uh, extremely, um, good and, and, um, you know, uh, just, uh, circumstances put us to an end there, but, um, no doubt it was, uh, it was good and, and, um, hated to see it come to an end, but it did. You know, I, I want to talk about that. You you know, you're after the topless, you guys are at Mansfield, you're preparing, you have that golf cart accident that, that hurts your eye. And it just, try to put into perspective, Chris, and I'd really love you to be as honest as you can be here. When you're that hot and something like that happens, man, what was going through your mind at that time? And how hard was that for you, bud? Well, I thought it was the end of it, you know. I thought it was the end of my career altogether, um, for sure. I mean, if you would have been in the, you would have been in the hospital and, and um, with the doctors and, and things whenever they, uh, figured out what all was wrong with me. They would have, you would have said, "Well, this is it, boys. It's all come to an end right here, and and the and the and the blink of an eye." But um, it was um, definitely um, God's work that it wasn't time for me to be finished. So I'm allowed to sit here today and talk to you and and talk about racing. You know, in my past and my present and my future you know so i mean that was uh that was definitely a a change in my career for sure but uh that million dollars would have been a big deal and i think at that time um it would have been hard to beat me there yeah but it didn't happen I, you know it I'm didn't so- happen i don't know why the reason was but 
you know, obviously it wasn't meant for me to be there. I have a lot of theories I've been throwing at you all day. I'm not sure you would have lost another big race that year. <laughs> Am I right about it? I think you would have won Mansfield. I, we're going to talk I about Eldora. Right. I don't know I that mean, you would have lost another I mean, one. Well, we were on the pole at Eldora, and the dead gum thing wouldn't crank. Right, you know? right. I mean, I mean, we were sitting there on the pole for that, and it wouldn't crank. So, wow. I mean, the circumstances took took us out of quite a few of them, but. I mean, I could, I can go exactly to the time that that uh, that that come to an end. We were at Vado Speedway when when um, I passed Shep for the lead down there on on that prelim night yeah. at Vado, and the racetrack was extremely rough. Had some really deep holes, and I hit one of those holes, and I thought, man, holy cow! But at the time, I felt like that's what I needed to do and where I needed to be on the racetrack to, to get the win. And, and um, when I did, uh, it definitely tweaked uh, my hot rod that I had. And, and um, I don't know, at that time, uh, things just wasn't, um, things weren't in the right places to, I guess, get, get another car built like what I had. I, I don't know, you know, I don't want to get into all that, but, yeah. um, it, uh, it put it to an end. I mean, I could go to that exact moment. I got pictures of the next day and, uh, you know, my car looks totally different on the racetrack and it's, it wasn't good from that day forward, but yeah. anyway, uh, you know, I, I was good while it lasted. I heard a story about you, and we're kind of talking about, you know, you suffered that injury in 2019, and that's why I wanted to put this note here. It was really wild. You were in your teens, and you were racing go-karts, and I bring this up, like I said, on the heels of that other injury discussion. The chain came off the cart, and it went into your arm, and it cut you badly. And if not for a doctor who was at the racetrack with his son racing, and the nurse who heard the call over the radio she came and stuck her hand actually in your arm and, and got that artery kind of from pumping blood because it hit the artery. There was real belief, Chris, that you would not have survived that. Uh, can you can you tell me about that a little bit? Is that true? And and I I never knew that yeah. about you. Yeah, I can. I can take you back to that exact moment too. It's uh, you know just one of those things you I never forget. But um, at that time, back when I raced go karts, I raced. Uh, the um obviously the faster classes uh i like speed so i run a limited what they call a limited class open class and bricks modified and stuff like that but at that time uh horseman just had come out with a with a new clutch that that would take off would literally spin the tires on a go-kart on, on the start and they had sent me one to test for them and um what we didn't know was the weak parts of, of the go-kart at that time. So the chain was, was the next weak part on the go-kart. And, um, what had happened was that clutch had jerked that chain into, and it was like bullets. Yeah. And that thing went through the back of my arm. I had pieces of chain in my pockets, in my shoes where that thing had wow. just exploded. And, uh, I had five links. I still got them somewhere. I could find them, <laughs> but I had, and I, I had the x-rays and stuff where, but I had taken them to school at that time when I studied <laughs> that stuff, you know, but, 
I had five links embedded in my arm. And um, when it hit me, I thought, dang, man, that, that hurt. And then I thought, well, it felt like I'd been hit on my elbow, on my funny bone. I was like, damn, that, that hurt. That hurt bad. So I just took my arm and laid it in my up on my lap, you know, and the go-kart was still rolling, so I rolled to where we come on and off the racetrack. Well, little did I know, they had seen there was a big old trail of blood behind me. Wow. And and uh, when I rolled off of the, the racetrack right there onto the grid, there was a kid mom that was RN the first race she had ever been to. This was at Tacoa, Georgia. Yeah. And uh, it was the first race she had ever been to. And she came running over there. And at that time, I was fixing, I was starting to go in and out because I was losing so much blood. And I remember them pulling my sleeve off. And I remember every time my heart would beat and would pump blood, there was a stream of blood that was just squirt, just a steady stream like spraying out of the water. It was unbelievable. And that lady took, I remember taking a belt. She took somebody's belt and put it around the top of my arm and pulled it as tight as she could. And it still wouldn't stop. And she just took her fingers and dove in my arm and pinched the artery off. Wow. And when she did that, it was so painful. I thought, I didn't think I was going to make it. And then she kept talking to me, you know. So she had to, she rode in the ambulance all the way to uh, over there to Stevens County Hospital at Tacoa with her fingers embedded in my arm and saved my life. Wow. Do you, did you stay friends with that woman, Chris? Do you, do you know her at all still? Or is she living still? Or do you know any of those things? No, I, my mom and them kept in touch with her. You know, I was young at that time, yeah. but I, I don't, I don't, but I did. I was told that that lady never went back to another race Wow. after that. Yep. But it was, I mean, I'm thankful, you know, for, for her gifts and, from heaven for her to be there, uh, you know, and do what she did. It was amazing. Wow. That is, but I have a big old, huge scar on the back of my arm from it. And, uh, you know, I, I do good now with it. I don't have no problems. So, yeah, you know, um, that's a, that's an unbelievable story. And by the way, when your mom was telling me bits and pieces of that story, you can still hear the emotion in your mom's voice (laughs) when she's telling it. I'm sure for a mother and you were in, in your teens, that had to be scary. So, um, Oh yeah. Well, I do remember one other thing. Uh, I remember it was, uh, I guess an intern doctor was in the, in the emergency room working and there was a doctor there. And I remember the intern doctor making a comment to me and I thought the other doctor was going to knock him out. He told him, you don't ever say anything like that to anyone. But he told me I'd never be able to use my arm again. Oh, wow. Yeah. And, so the other doctor, he, he flew off, you know, it, that really, you know, upset him. And, um, but I had two major surgeries there and then I got a hot, I got a, uh, ambulance ride all the way from there to Greenville and I had three more surgeries at Greenville on it. Wow. And today I can use my arm perfect. Good. And that's, yeah. And I, I've seen that scar on your arm before, but I never knew the story. So I was glad your mom shared that with me, how, how that came to be. Um, Hey, I wanted to circle back real quick to 2019. You know, you'd kind of been out 
I would say out of racing, but you were kind of determining what you were going to do a little bit. And when you came back there, you you raced with Scott, right? You were racing one of Scott's cars. I know at many points during your career, Scott Bloomquist has been a close friend. I'm asking this now, and I'm hoping you'll answer it as we sit here today on March 16th, 2022. What is the relationship with you and Scott? Is there a relationship at all? Uh, I mean, <clears throat> you know, at this point, um, I guess uh, since since I decided that I needed to do something different, you know, things wasn't where they should be, and uh, I've never heard a word from him since, and and uh, he probably hasn't heard a word from me, so um, I'd say no, we don't have no relationship right now, but uh, I can't say that that um uh, Scott didn't didn't help me along the way and Scott was uh was um really um a part of some of my success back in my day and, and uh you know I'm not I'm not one to overlook anybody and, and not thank anyone and, and I'm thankful that that I was able to cross paths with Scott and thankful for the things that he helped me accomplish and uh, I would hope he would say the same for me. You know, I've, I've done a lot for him, uh, you know, that I don't know if people even know, you know, if he's ever even shared anything with people or not. I've never heard it, but, uh, you know, there's been, been a lot of days and a lot of nights of, of uh, hard work put in for him too. Uh, so it definitely was a two-way street, and, uh, you know, I appreciate the things that he done, and, and uh, hopefully – he feels the same. Last thing I'll ask you about. Do you hope, Chris, that one day you guys could be friendly again? I don't want to know any news with nobody, man. Uh, yeah. Definitely, um, you know, I respect Scott a lot. You know, he's he's uh, accomplished a lot in his lifetime and unbelievable, you know, what he, what he did. And, uh, you know, hope nothing but the best for him. And, and yeah, sure. I mean, I'd, I'd love to sit down and, and – uh, care on the conversation with him but uh you know hopefully things would be fixed and and uh done the right way and uh maybe that could happen one day but you know it's, it's out of my hands not my hands sure uh, things on their end has to be fixed and done right and but we'll leave it at that and uh carry on eldora I think I can say that one word. I can't see you right now, but I, 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 let's start here. I say Eldora. I got a lot of Eldora to talk to you about. What What is the reaction from Chris Madden when I say the word Eldora? I guess I've just been waiting on the million. <laughs> you know what? I'm actually going to jump to that. You're, listen, your history at Eldora is very well documented. Overwhelmingly, if people, if we asked a list of 10 experts and say, who deserves a win at Eldora? All 10 of those bastards better say Chris Matt. Nobody deserves a win more than you. I would definitely hope so. Right, well, I mean, I thought I, I thought I had one this past year, and uh, in the racetrack, it's gripped back up and started, uh, you know, getting gripped, and I couldn't turn, and Overton drove back by me, and I was like, son of a gun, here we are again. <laughs> but, uh Wow. What is it, man? That's all I can say is wow. Why has it not happened yet? Why has it not happened yet? I don't know, man. I I don't know. (laughs) But I still still get excited and I still, you know, uh, love to go there. 
even though it's defeated me every time, I'm going to defeat that sucker before I quit. I can tell you that. Well, so. I can tell you this. Your wife and I talked about it. Listen, if you're going to win one, you referenced it. You might as well win the million, right? So maybe it's all been That's building right. up yeah. to this point, Chris. I right, man. If I win that million, I might just hang my helmet up right there. <laughs> Are but, you last? Listen, last thing I'll you know, say. About I, I just it. I love that place, and man, I love going there. I've got a lot of memories there, and just uh, I don't know. I, I just I love the challenge of that place and the atmosphere and the people, and uh, you know, the, even all the way down to the employees. I mean, I just I, I love it all, and uh, you know, just get excited. You know, there's just those few times a year that we get to go and um, just can't wait. If you, last thing I'll ask you about Eldora, if your career ended and you never want to race at Eldora, how do you think that would sit with you? Uh, not well. I mean, I would feel like that um, I didn't accomplish what I, I wanted to accomplish. If I could accomplish that, you know, I'd pretty much, I would be, um, I guess uh, I'd say I could be pretty well satisfied with yeah. with my racing career. But uh, if I don't get that one, um, I'll be missing a piece. That's for sure. Well, we I am listen. I'm not supposed to root for guys. I'm openly rooting for you to win at Eldora this year. I really want you to get a win there. I know I'm not supposed to. Screw it. I don't care. I want you to win. Yeah, and I want to win it. You know, yeah. I, I just uh, that's that's one race I want to win and. Uh, I'm gonna get one. I'm I'm gonna get one. Where so, good? Where? Know, I feel good about I feel good about uh, things right now. Uh, I was good there last year and <clears throat> in my cars, and you know I've got my cars where uh, where they fit me, and and I'm real comfortable right now, and and uh, just excited about the year. So hopefully, hopefully, um, we'll get a bunch of them this year. Last few things I want to ask you before we get to my true or false questions. I don't know the answer to this either. Where did the nickname Smokey come from? Where'd you get that? Uh, just back in back in the day when I first started around the shop, uh, Cotton, the old buddy of mine that used that helps me or helped me and still still comes around. But they kind of just uh, him and Shane Peebles nicknamed me that at, at the shop. And and the other thing uh, goes back to it is. Uh, Smokey and the Bandit's one of my favorite movies, so there you go. <laughs> All right, good to know. You know, you were when you were busting onto the scene in the early 2000s, late 90s, there's so much talk. If you ask people, and I think some of this has become mythology, that tire prep was just everywhere back in the day, right? That you couldn't race, especially in the southeast, if you weren't prepping your tires. I'm just going to flat out ask you, how prevalent was it in the Southeast, especially when you started? Was it Brandon Overton admitted to us yesterday in an interview? He goes, hell yeah, we used to cheat tires. How bad was it, Chris, when you very first started around home? I mean, I think it, it was, it was terrible, you know, and, and it was, uh, you know, I'll be the first one to sit here and tell you it's, it's, it was that good for the sport and it still is it good for the sport. And, um, you know, it's I hate I hate prepping prep tires and I hate racing against prep tires and I still think we do today. Uh, you know, I think some of these guys, uh, you know, uh, are still getting by with some things and and I think uh, you know hopefully uh, uh, hopefully it'll all be taken care of and handled the right way. But 
I don't know. It's it's not one of my favorites, that's for sure. But back in the day, if you didn't prep, you wasn't going to race, that's for sure. We're, and I'm just going to ask you, did you – I mean, listen, I don't think anybody's going to hold this against you. Shit, all these guys have admitted it. Did you – you had, at some point probably had to prep tires in your career, right? Absolutely. Yeah. And there isn't a racer out there. If there's a racer out there that said they never prepped a tire, they're lying. <laughs> How, you know, how is it that, is it just, unde- you know, some guys are still doing it. Is it just undetectable? I, I, you know, I don't need every detail, but how is that possible still in 2022 that we're still talking about this shit? I have no idea. I have no idea. But, you know, like, uh, I'm just thankful that, that uh, we have hopefully the, the guys in the right places to, uh, to, to detect it and police it the way it's supposed to be. And the guys that worked hard, you know, like myself and, and a bunch of other guys out here that worked their, that, you know, they worked their ass off all week and put in the effort to go to the racetrack and, and get credited for what they do. You know, I just hope that, that our tech men and our people uh, police it well enough that we still get what we deserve and not get cheated out of it. Yeah. One of the great moments of your career, I'm going to call it more, maybe more memorable moments, because uh, I don't know if you'd call it great. It's that classic three-wide finish at Cherokee. It's you, it's Dwayne Hummel, it's Earl Pearson Jr. You guys all make contact <laughs> coming out of the last corner. You're bumping together three-wide. You all spin out. Donnie Moran comes around and wins the race. It's on YouTube, for those of you that haven't seen it. Our own Todd Turner is oh, the yeah. one that took the photo. I've never asked you this before. How pissed off were you that afternoon at Cherokee? And have you ever given Dwayne Hummel shit about, I'm sure, multiple times about what happened in turn four there? Oh, yeah, absolutely. I mean... <laughs> We had some cautions right there at the end. I don't. I don't think nobody knows really how it all took place. But we had, you know, caution right there at the end. Uh, Gaffney with a caution at the end. Yeah. There you go. But yeah, yeah. But you know, we had a winning race car the whole day, and and we would drive away from them. Then we had a caution right there at the end, and uh, the lap before that, you know, um, Earl had kind of inched under me, and, and I knew that all I had to do is keep my momentum and my speed up and, and he wasn't going to pass me back to the checkered flag. But little did I know that Dwayne Hummel <laughs> was going to drive through the infield and kill Earl and, and Earl into me. But, um, you know, I, I never remember, uh, excuse me, I never forget <laughs> that comment he made when he interviewed him. You know, he didn't come to run second or third. He come to win. So it was what it was. And, and um, but yeah, that was a that was a bad moment right there at the time. But uh, Earl was uh, Earl was hot and I was hot. At the, at first, hell, I thought Earl had run over, <laughs> just yeah. flat out run over me. So I was mad at Earl, and I was like, "Uh oh, not me!" I didn't even realize that, that Hummel was down there in the bottom. You know, had had run over Earl. But hey, that's uh, oh, that give people something to talk about for twenty years. That or, moment. Yeah. You know, and, they're still talking about it today, obviously. The two funny uh, parts about uh, that day, Chris, to me, are I gave Donnie shit about it. Donnie puts his hand out the window. I'm like, okay, first of all, you were running fourth, all right? You don't get to put your hand out yeah. the window when you're running fourth yeah. and you win this race. And I always give Dwayne shit about it. I know his quote is famous. Hey, I didn't come to run second or third. I'm like, well, yeah, but sometimes, Dwayne, when you're a distant third, fourth, fifth, or sixth, you just got to take it. You can't just jam yeah. your car in there. I don't yeah. just those things. Things both crack me up. Next time you see Donnie, give him shit about the fist pump if you could. <laughs> I will. I will. I will. Yeah. But, uh, uh, it was definitely, a, you know, we've had some 
some memorable races over there. Uh, yeah. You know, I, I I haven't seen anybody say anything about it or, or even um, mention it, but I remember a uh, race over there too. We had that that I I passed uh, uh, Jackie Boggs for the win. I bet people don't even remember him coming down there running that race, but I yeah. think he wound up second. Yeah. That was like a that was a blue gray one hundred or something like that. You know, it was a hundred lap race and. It had rain. The racetrack was real, real rough and heavy, and tearing up stuff. And and uh, we won that race, but uh, you know, sadly, you know, he's gone now too with, with a lot of good people. But I remember that moment. You know. Yeah. The last couple of things again before true or false, Chris. If you had to redo anything in your career, would there be anything? Would there, would you have a do over on anything? I mean, I, I would definitely do a few things different, but uh, I feel like I've given it 100% and um, give it my all and uh, totally wholeheartedly in everything that I've did. And uh, so, no, I don't think I would change a whole lot, but maybe a couple of things, but we'll leave those couple of things at that for people to wonder. <laughs> By the way, I looked up the history, 2004, Good memory. Blue Gray 100 champion on November 14th. Second place, Jackie Boggs. Good me- You remember who was third in that race? Do you remember who got third? I don't. Nope. David Smith, third in that race. So, oh. Chris Madden, yep. Jackie Boggs, David Smith, Dale Cross, and Buckshot Miles, your top five. <laughs> wow. Yep. Um, like I said, it was a, a treacherous racetrack that night. That's back when it was the big place too, obviously. Yeah, and, yep. and and man, it was, uh, you know, that place was super fast, and for it to be rough and stuff was was extremely hard on equipment. But uh, I remember that very well. What are you? Uh, what are you doing this year? Have you decided on your plans yet? I asked you at the end of speed weeks, and you said you had to talk to some people. Have you talked to those people? Are we running a tour? Or are we not? What were the plans this year? No, I'll be at Bristol next week, so that answers the question. <laughs> so you will not be at Cherokee, is what you're telling me. Yep, that's correct. Okay, what went into that? What was the decision this year to to race without a series? Uh, I mean, basically, um, you know, my sponsors and and myself, and uh, obviously some people putting a lot of money up out here for us to race uh, for. And it just doesn't make sense right now uh, at this point of the game to go and and travel all over the country and drive by all these races that's paying this money. And so uh, as a a group, we decided that we would not chase the – outlaw this year okay uh wave your magic wand you can fix something in dirt late model racing i give you this wand you can wave it and chris man's gonna fix one thing what is it uh fix one thing would be fix the uh purses where um these guys like i said it's it's tough this day and time so um you know you don't you shouldn't have to win to be able to make some money at this. Uh, so definitely um, looking at 
fixing some purses to make it um, beneficial for everybody. A lot of people spend a lot of money. A lot of people work hard. Uh, they should all be at least credited for it. Sure. I think that's a that's a good answer. How long are you going to do this? I asked your wife and your mom this question also. I'm going to be interested to see how the answers stack up. Um, uh, you know, I've, I've heard maybe a couple years left. I've heard six or seven years left. How long is Chris Madden going to race? Uh, shoot, I think i got a couple more good years in me. And, uh, <laughs> right now, for sure, uh, I've got some extremely great guys working for me, and, and I've got some great sponsors. Uh, you know, I couldn't ask for no more better people than Jamie Henderson and Billy Franklin and mm-hmm. Mike Millwood and, and uh I mean all the all the people that's on my car. Um uh Shane Worley and, and Bo, uh Jeff David. I mean, every one of them is uh, a big part of my program and and right now I couldn't be more happier with the people that I have. Uh you know, I'm very thankful for those people and and they they help they help this to become enjoyable again. So right now I got some more years left in me, and as long as we can keep doing it the way we're doing it now, you know I don't I don't see quitting. You know next year or, or the next couple of years. You know we'll see how far it goes from there. But long as long as I'm enjoying it, and my family's happy, and and. Uh, um, you know, we got Avery, uh, is, is getting older. So, uh, you know, depending on his future, or what direction he goes, I guess, depends on, you know, my future. And that's, a that's another reason why I've, you know, chosen to do what I do this year is to be able to spend more time at ball games with him. And, you know, when I'm on the road, I miss, he plays in the week, you know, playing school ball. So I could go do that as, I wasn't going all the time. So, you know, I've had to make some decisions here to, to do that. So that's what I've chosen to do. And I'm just thankful that I have the people that's made that, uh, made it to where I can do that. So again, you know, thanks to Jamie and, and Billy and Mike, you know, uh, and, and Jardine and all those guys there. Those are the people that have, made it to where I can uh, do what I do. It's a perfect way to wrap it up. We we end every Rigsby Report podcast with a series of true or false questions. So I'm going to hit you with a little, you know, I do a little research for these interviews. This is the last few questions you get here. These are all true or false. So I need true or false qu- answers from Chris Madden. Here we go. First one, you mentioned your son Avery in the interview. True or false, Chris, and this is much to the chagrin of your wife, Stephanie, who's an amazing woman, by the way. I love talking to her. When Avery feels like you aren't doing well on the racetrack, he gives you advice. Vice versa, when you feel like maybe he isn't doing as good as he could on the baseball field, you like to give him advice, and your wife feels like she's stuck in the middle. Is that true? (laughs) Are those things true or false? That's 100% true. 100%. (laughs) There's no doubt. He's the first one at the window. Let me just add something to that. that sure, will, please. That will back that up. I was sitting on the tongue of on the uh, back doorstep of the trailer. I forget where we were at, but I was sitting there, and um, he walks up and he says something, and I said, <laughs> "He said, oh, he said, uh, what's wrong?" 
I said, well, I'm, I'm really not sure right at this moment. I really don't know because I was sitting there trying to process it. And uh, he looked at me and he said, well, you've been doing this for 25 years. You ought to know by now. <laughs> <laughs> my story is knocking flat his back. But, uh, oh, God. oh, my God. He don't cut me no slack, man. He's harder on me than anybody in the pits. But uh, I love him to death, and and, and uh, nobody supports me no harder than him and him and my wife and my family. I'm very thankful for him. She told me that, and I have that line, that note written down here. She goes, you'll never believe it. He walked up to Chris and said, you've been doing it for 25 years. Why can't you figure it out? Yeah. What? He's a ballsy kid. I'll give him that, Chris. <laughs> So. He is, and he's, uh, you know, he's about, he's probably two, three inches taller than I am now, so, yeah. you know, he's getting on up there where he thinks he, yeah, probably yeah. thinks he can whip me, yeah. but I still, I put him on the ground the other day. <laughs> All but right, anyways. next true or false, and you talked about this, this is from your wife, Stephanie, true or false, she said if you win the Eldora Million, you're retiring that night, is that true or false? Well, I told you a while ago, if I win that million, I'll probably hang my helmet up right there. Okay. Okay. All right. I'm, I'm going to hold you to it. We'll hug in victory lane, and then I'll take your helmet so you can't take it to the next okay. week. <laughs> so, <laughs> uh, next, true or false? True or false, your mom, Elaine, who is just an unbelievably pleasant woman. I love talking to her, too. Uh, she said that you have been so – and we talked about your focus level at the racetrack – she goes, he is so focused, Michael, at the racetrack sometimes, he'll shoo me away. And I said, well, what do you mean, Elaine? He'll say, okay, Mom, I got to get locked in. You got to go. Is that true? Have we shooed Mom away before? True or false? Uh, oh, that's 100% true. <laughs> poor yeah, Elaine. That's true. <laughs> yeah, poor Mom. Okay, last two. True or false, number one. And let me start by saying this. I am wildly OCD. People make fun of me for it all the time. I wear it like a badge of honor. True or false, you are wildly OCD, but also it's a better way to live, isn't it? True or false? True. Yeah. Try to tell these slobs out there, Chris. When you're organized, life yeah, is better. Yeah. I can't do it that way. It, just, it, it racks my nerves. It drives me nuts. So, <laughs> uh, I mean, every day when I leave my shop, we, we – I tell my guys, I say, look, we stop and I don't care what time it is. We're going to be cleaned up and we're going to be organized. When I come in the next morning, That's right. I can, you know, go to work and I feel, uh, you know, like, like it's done the way it should be done. If it's left a sloppy mess, then I feel like our work is a sloppy mess. So I don't work that way. One of the guys that works for me always says, you know who was a slob was Einstein. I said, listen, if you have Albert Einstein's brain, sure, I'll let you be a slob. But you don't have Einstein's brain. <laughs> so you got to be organized. That's what I tell my guys. Uh, last, yeah. last true or false, final question of the interview. And this is my favorite one. You once had a pair of lucky underwear that were described to me as the rattiest things that you've ever seen. They got so bad that they were thrown away. You got them out of the garbage and saved them repeatedly. Is that true or false? Lucky underwear. No, I don't know. That's false. Oh, okay. All right. Well, I might have to call your mom back up because she's telling me that yeah. you had this lucky underwear. No, she's lost her mind on that one. <laughs> no, that's <watch> out. <laughs> no. Right. But I, but I, I am 
weird with I will tell you this, and my guys can back this one up. I'm weird with my my old driving shoes now. Once I get them, get the bottoms wore in and get them where I want them, I, I wear them. I'm firm believer in those. All right. so, well, I've I, had a new pair. I've been driving around in a truck for a couple of years, and every time I get ready to get ready, uh, Goose will say, "You wearing them new shoes today?" I was like, "Nope." <laughs> <laughs> so, no. Well, I'm, I, gonna... I'm not as uh, that superstitious stuff. I, I ain't big on that. You know, okay. I'm big on hard work, and, and uh, but you know, you gotta have a lot of luck on your side. That's for sure. Yeah, that's that's definitely one thing. But so, well, last thing I'll say, Chris, is again, I just want to wrap up by telling you, you know, I I always tell people this story. When we sold the company a couple of years ago, you were one of the first people to tell me congratulations. And when I saw you at Fairbury too, you told me, hey, make sure you tell your wife congratulations too. And that. You know, a lot of people forget how hard Amber worked to get us to where we were. And in this industry, you know how it is, man. When people have success, other people can get jealous. And you you could not have been more courteous and nice to me. You have always treated me with the most respect. And just on a personal level, man, I just wanted to tell you thank you for that. And that if you're welcome, man, I just remember the. I remember when y'all drove up in the minivan down at uh, (laughs) Brunswick. I'll I'll never forget that when you guys started doing it. So, you know, um, like I said. You know, you, you deserve the credit and, uh, you know, I just, uh, hope everybody, um, has enjoyed what you've done. Uh, I think you've helped our sport a lot and we appreciate it. Yeah. And, and let's go win this million this year. What do you say, man? Let's do it. Man. <laughs> All right. We're hugging in victory lane. If you win. Okay. I just want you to know. I'm, I'm ready. <laughs> All right. Chris Madden. Thanks. Thanks, bud. I appreciate it. Yeah, man. Thank you. Every once in a while, I like to offer a little reminder of how good the live offering is on Flow Racing. Some people are are listening to this on Just Dirt on Dirt, and they might not know, but a quick recap. If you're a subscriber to Dirt on Dirt, you not only get access to Flow, but you get access to this live offering I was talking about. Every USAC race, every All-Star Sprint Car race, every Castrol Flow Night in America race, every Eldora race, the Dream, the Million, the World, every Short Track Super Series Big Block Modified race, Snowcross, NASCAR grassroots like Bowman Gray, New Smyrna, uh, Berlin, all these places. You get the point, right? It's nuts. You get all of that and for only $150. I'm bringing this up because I know a lot of people listen to this podcast on iTunes or DOD and they might not be a subscriber, but you have to. It's literally the greatest deal in motorsports history when it comes to streaming. And I can't stress enough, it's the best $150 you will ever spend and you get it all. Tell your family, tell your friends, a subscription to DOD and Flow Racing is as good as it gets. Chris Smokey Madden. That is fun to say. Derek walks around the office saying it like three times a week. I've, I've never done it. That was the first time. Smokey Madden. Thanks to Chris. And again, if anyone ever tells you that Chris Madden is unapproachable, they are wrong. Chris has treated me with so much respect and kindness during my career. This was an important interview for me. I wanted people to see Chris Madden the way I always see him, and I, I hope and think they got that from the last 60-plus minutes. One final note I wanted to mention, we are almost one month away exactly from the start of Castrol Flow Racing Night in America, and what a way to kick it off. Eldora Speedway for the season opener on Tuesday, April 12th, $22,000 to win on a Tuesday night at Eldora. How fun is that 22,000 to win on Tuesday night at Eldora. We kick off our tour. And how about this? Two nights later, Kyle Larson presents 
not a flow event, but a late model event. It's not a flow Castrol event, but a late model event at Volunteer Speedway, $20,000 to win. A few nights before the NASCAR event at Bristol, we're going to have the stars of late model racing. We're going to have some NASCAR guys in late model rides. That is going to be a lot of fun just two nights later on April 14th. Uh, and how about this? Castrol Flow Night in America, which we talked about a month away. Did you see, if you run all 12 races, the championship doesn't pay 30000 anymore. It's $75,000 to win the championship for 12 races. What world are we living in? If you run all 12 perfect attendance, you get seventy five grand. Uh, anyway, I uh, needed to mention both of those. Thank you to Chris Madden. We'll be back in a few weeks. Uh, hopefully the Rigsby reports get rolling a little more regular, and hopefully my schedule of flow is not so nuts. Thanks, guys.